Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it at Leon Tailoring. You can get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, believe it or not, folks, this week actually marks the 90th anniversary when Prohibition, that's right, Prohibition was lifted. And so talk about uh, alcohol and alcohol stuff, and always a good excuse to have a good friend in studio anyway. My good buddy Brad Kloppenstein, head of the Indiana Licensed Beverage Association and uh, alcohol uh, aficionado. So, Brad, my friend, how you been? I've been well. Happy repeal week, Abdul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, let me get your thoughts. What would your uh, what do you think about uh, repeal for the, the the repeal of uh, alcohol back in the 1930s, because one of the arguments has always been is that America did have a serious drinking problem, and they needed to do something to sort of get that under control. I would agree with that to an extent that, yes, there needed to be some major reforms. And at the time, pre-Prohibition, the breweries and distilleries oftentimes would own the taverns where their products were sold, and they would do it at the exclusion to competition. So you had tithed houses is what they called them. Um, There was not much of a distribution tier. So if nothing else, Prohibition brought in a three-tier system where you have a manufacturer, is the first tier, uh, the distributor is the second tier, and then the retailer is the third tier. Now, obviously, there's there still could be some tweaks to that system, but by and large, it has served us well for 90 years. Um, so uh, how would you describe Indiana's alcohol laws? Are they, are they still as Byzantine as they used to be? They have gotten, or, or is that an insult to Byzantines that's everywhere? That's an insult to Byzantines. <laughs> uh, it has marginally gotten better over the years, and I know that, that you've been around when we've uh, legalized Election Day alcohol sales and Christmas Day alcohol sales. And, and now Sunday retail sales. Sunday retail sales, 3 a.m. Sunday sales for uh, on-premise bars. However, and I have proposed this in the past, Indiana code 7.1 is all the alcohol laws and i've suggested that we come in and we just rewrite the entire code because there's too many exceptions you've got um riverfront permits that are out of quota which the quota system is you always have to supposed to have one license per certain number of people and i mean a lot of things that are in indiana code we don't even need anymore um but i've also been told that no i'm not going to be the one who gets to rewrite that because I remember, I remember there was like a law in Indiana book said a woman couldn't stand at a bar. There was. <laughs> so like anybody who's who's familiar with Harry's Chocolate Shop up in uh, Lafayette, West Lafayette, um, yeah, it wasn't until the '60s that a woman could even come in to that establishment, and uh, then then once they did, they weren't allowed to stand at the bar. So um, yeah, it, we've come a long, like the old uh, Virginia Slims ad. We've come a long way, baby. <laughs> but we're not quite there yet. Our good friend Brad Clapp inside the Indiana Licensed Beverage Association with us on the program today. We're talking about uh, the 90th anniversary of the uh, end of prohibition uh, in the United States of America. It was the I want to say the 20 the 18th the 19th the 20th amendment that brought in prohibition, but the 21st amendment. Aha, that's where the store gets its name from, by the way. Yes, uh, actually, it was 18 and 21. 18, so 18, 18 is- made it illegal. 21 said, yeah, that was 18 was a mistake. Um, so when you look at Indiana's alcohol laws, what is the most uh, bizarre leftover prohibition thing that's out there, in your opinion? 
So the biggest one that's on my radar is, and, and this has to do more with consolidation in that middle tier, the distribution tier, where they have gone to, uh, they will only deliver to retail establish, establishments on certain days. Sometimes it's once every other week. Sometimes it's only once a month. Uh, they've implemented minimums to where if you don't have a certain, you know, $200 worth of, of product on your order, they're not even going to deliver it to you. Well, according to Indiana law, you have no other place where you can actually acquire those products. So if you've got a bar on the corner who say they've had a run on hard truth distilling whiskey, they can't go to the liquor store down the street and buy a couple more bottles to get them through the weekend. They just have to wait until their next delivery day, which could be two weeks from now. So I think that there probably needs to be some tweaks on how retailers can get at least small amounts of purchases to or stock to get them through until their next order. That's probably the biggest thing I see. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say it was like maybe like, maybe like 10 years ago, I think it was, uh, that there was going to be a major rewrite of Indiana's alcohol laws. I think that's the first time you had actually had that conversation about, Brad, I need you to explain this to me because I don't understand it. Abdul, <laughs> I think you would be great to be part of that committee that sits in and rewrites <laughs> Indiana alcohol laws because you're right, it, it is, gets way deep in the weeds and even people that know a lot about Indiana code do not necessarily know a lot about Indiana alcohol laws and it, it could be far simpler and far easier to understand. Um, I want to say also, too, uh, that from a bar owner perspective, uh, that bar owners also have concerns about Indiana's alcohol laws as well. They do. Uh, and some of it is there's just been a, a shift in the market. And the laws right now favor um, small breweries, microbreweries um, in, in their tap rooms. And that has been largely at the expense of kind of your mom and pop neighborhood taverns. And somehow we need to get that balance back where the the general notion has been the neighborhood tavern is bad, but the local brewery is good. But they're both doing the same thing. And it's, it's funny to bring up the neighborhood tavern because I want to say we had a conversation also about 10 years ago. Uh, there was sort of a crackdown on neighborhood taverns because nobody wanted a tavern in the neighborhood, but all it did was also also uh, increase the odds of drunk driving because people had to go further. They couldn't just walk around the corner, you know, to you know to wherever place you were going to go. Right. So, for, for, so holistically, if you look at just it, and this is all levels of government, you have to do this. It is local municipalities are very reluctant to approve zoning for new bars typically they will put them out in strip balls now or away from neighborhoods however that automatically means that somebody has to drive to get there so there are fewer places where you can walk and get a drink which you would think that walking to the establishment would be more responsible but zoning laws don't typically permit that anymore uh brad claps i'm with us for a few more minutes on the program today uh my friend, are you surprised if you look at Indiana's alcohol history uh, since Prohibition? Are you shocked or surprised? And I, I think I know what the answer to this question is going to be. That it's taken so long for Indiana to figure what the heck to do with marijuana and legal pot. <laughs> I have been, which <laughs> I, I liken this to uh, cross-county banking that was legalized in the late 80s. Indiana was behind the curve nationally on legalizing that, and that's one of the reasons why most of our big banks were acquired by larger out-of-state banks. Those out-of-state banks had had time to kind of consolidate their resources, and Indiana National Bank went away, and American Fletcher National Bank went away, and Merchants Bank went away. And that left Old National Bank out of Evansville as the largest Indiana domiciled bank. Uh, We've had the same thing here with marijuana. A, I don't know why the feds didn't 
take care of this when they had the House, Senate, and the presidency back in 2001. That's probably a question for Andre Carson. But just from the state of Indiana perspective, we've allowed Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, and even to a degree Kentucky get ahead of us on this. And it's one thing to say, yes, we, you know, we don't want to go contrary to federal law. However, all the other states around us have figured this out. I mean, just from an agricultural standpoint, Indiana is primed to be a great, a fantastic grower of cannabis or marijuana just because, shoot, it grows naturally up in the ditches in northern Indiana if you actually cultivated it and planted it. Oh, ditch weed, I believe. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Indiana could be the, uh, the Saudi Arabia of pot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's... As far as Indiana laws, yes, I think Indiana finally, we need to get on board, legalize it to some degree. I mean, regulate it right now. If you look, so much of the crime that's going on around here, it's not all marijuana. It's lots of different drugs. But I think the more you can regulate it and and see who the producers are and have some sort of sense of like a dispensary control, system. a dispensary system, exactly, it would, it would work a heck of a lot better. Um, from an alcohol standpoint, since pro- Prohibition ended back in 1933, um, pr- prior to Prohibition, Indiana was one of the top 10 brewing states in the entire country. And we had several larger breweries that were around. There was um, the Set Liver Brewing Company up in Fort Wayne. Indianapolis Brewing Company was very large. They were a consolidation of, of three other brewers. Um, Logansport had a big brewery. Marion had a big brewery. Evansville had a couple big breweries. And after Prohibition, Indiana, for whatever reason, our breweries did not survive well. And while we've been kind of at the forefront the last 10 or 15 years on the microbrewery craze, we are still way behind many other states as far as our production volume. Well, so whenever, whenever someone asks me, how far is Indiana away from legalized marijuana? It's like, technically 75 miles. Just get on I-74, drive to Illinois, make a right at the frontage road at exit 220. Not that I've ever been there. I just, hey, I'm a reporter. <laughs> I got the other things, and I'm also from Illinois. That, that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, so you see any uh, major alcohol legislation coming up in 2023, 2024? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I would love to see some things happening, but I just, there, there's nothing that I've seen the industry really coalesce behind. Um, there's probably some small little territorial issues. I mean, you know the the distribute the wholesale tier has always or there's at least some groups that have wanted uh, like a, a monarch distributing that's out in Lawrence. Um, they've for a long time wanted to be able to distribute beer, wine, and spirits. Indiana law says you can do beer and wine, or you can do wine and spirits, but you can't do all three. I think there's probably still going to be a push for that. I don't see that happening though. Um, but otherwise, it's just going to be tweaks and what's currently out there, and no major overhauls. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been our good friend Brad Kloppenstein, the head of the Licensed Beverage Association. As we sort of mark uh, this week in the 90th uh, anniversary of the end of prohibition, so Brad, my friend, as always. Uh, good to talk to you. Have a cold one for me, old friend. All right, Abdul. Thanks for having me in. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.